hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to week two of the Lap Down podcast. I am your host, Greg Farmer, and with me tonight is Mr. JP, Mr. Ben. Jamie is out this week, so we have a very special guest. We'd like to introduce you to Mr. Ryan Dyer. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Doing fantastic. Happy to be here. Well, it's great having you, bud. Uh, you want to tell us where you're from and um, how you became like a NASCAR fan? Like, who's your favorite driver, man? All right. Yeah, so I'm a NASCAR fan from the middle of nowhere, Maine, uh, all the way up in the northeast. Just got hit by a snowstorm today, but uh, yeah. Favorite driver currently is Kyle Busch, but Carl Edwards was kind of the one that got me hooked into the sport throughout the uh, mid to late 2000s and carried me through the 2010s up until the surprise retirement back in 2016, which was not a very fun surprise, by the way. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of the way I got into NASCAR was just kind of watching generally with some friends and then ultimately just kind of grew to love Carl Edwards and the Roush Fenway team there. Nice. So, uh, what 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 part of Maine, man? Uh, Waterville, technically, but yeah. And say for the most part, everything up here is basically just Southern Canada. <laughs> I I used to uh, I used to live in Connecticut, not too far from Maine. So yeah, that's uh, like I know a, I know, I know, I know how brutal drive. those winters are. I know how brutal those winters are up there. Yep, we had a uh, we had a tree take down our. Uh, transformer about a week before christmas oh man yep all right well it's good to have you on the show man um looking forward to a great episode tonight uh ben uh how's your week going man it's, it's going pretty good not too bad i can't complain all right jp anything interesting going on over there with you uh this guy plug in um Come over to um, my basketball is uh, going on right now, so that's what my focus is on when I'm not doing content like this. All right. Well, that's cool, man. All right. So um, we're going to get started here. As always, our intro music is presented by the Alkali Project. Be sure to check out their latest album, The Blood World, on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your music. Wherever you get your music, uh, we're gonna move into our first segment tonight. Our first segment is called "Fresh Faces and New Places," presented by Bulletproof Coffee. They have coffee, they have tea, but they do more than just coffee. Uh, ben, do we have a promo code for that? You have to visit the link in the description, and as long as you follow that link. That is, um, the, that'll take you to everything you need, and we'll get the uh, credit for everything that's bought off the uh, website. All right. So our first fresh face in a new place tonight is going to be Mr. Justin Haley. And uh, I just do want to bring attention. We do have a new person in our podcast. Um, he's from our football podcast. Uh, we have Tyler just joined. Ah, well, welcome in, Tyler. All right. I think he joined on a computer. He may be having the same issues a few of us had earlier. Uh-oh. I got you. Can you guys hear me now? Oh, yes. Oh, we there you. we go. Yes, we can. Yep. Welcome in, Tyler. How are you All right. So, uh, Tyler, uh, tell us where you're from. Uh, 
Are you a motorsports fan? Like, what, what's going on in your life there, buddy? Well, first off, I'm a huge motorsports fan. I'm originally from New York, but I'm right now residing in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I am a huge F1 NASCAR fan. I love dirt racing. I love all sorts of racing, especially IMSA, NASCAR, you name it. But I mainly um, know a little, a lot about F1 and NASCAR. Other than that, not much is going on in my life besides work. All right. Um, do you have a who's your favorite NASCAR driver? If you don't mind me asking, Chase, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Former so, Dale, uh, former Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan. There we go. There we go. All right, so Tyler, you're just in time. We uh, just moved into uh, fresh faces and new places. So the uh, first fresh face we're going to talk about tonight is Mr. Justin Haley. Um, he was the full-time driver in the 31 car for Colleg Racing in 2023. And in a shocking twist and turn of events in 20, July of 2023, it was announced that he was going to join Rick Ware Racing in a, uh, for a multi-year contract in 2024. Uh, starting with Ben, um, how do we feel about that? Uh, would you consider that a downgrade? I mean, how many opportunities can he get? I mean, he's, he's a young dude. I mean, he's 24. I wouldn't say it's a downgrade. I would just say he's given an opportunity. Uh, show me what you got. Maybe he'll do good. We'll see. I mean, it's a hit or miss for him right now. I mean, Rick Hare yeah. Racing. I mean, honestly, Rick Hare Racing's not terrible. They're not as bad as they have been. No, I, I agree. Um, I, I will say. I will say in 2023, they were a little bit more competitive. Um, uh, Ryan, you got any thoughts on it? All right. Yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts on it. Some, A lot of them still stemming from when I first heard the announcement. It feels like a bit of a downgrade, although it's hard to predict where um, the college racing team will go, considering they're a fairly new team as well. But considering the starting point was a lot higher from where he was to going mm -hmm. to a very much unknown and basically just gambling on that that upgraded technical alliance because they're now a in-house partner with Roush Fenway and their team kind of oh, just seeing if they gamble and that takes a step up. I thought they were as with SHR. I thought it was with Roush. I thought it was RFK that they aligned with. Not to mention RFK is the better Ford team right now. I um, mm -hmm. I would have to go back and look, but I want to say maybe Rick Ware was partnered with um, SHR in 2023, but now they are aligned with RFK. But mm -hmm. I'm not 100% confident on that. Well, Ryan, pull it up. All right. Well, well, Ryan pulls that up. Justin, uh, you want to give your thoughts on it? It's RFK. It is RFK. Okay, yeah. I was right on that. Okay, good. Uh, okay, so here, here, here is my fear. Okay. The kid, um, I'll call him a kid because that's what he is. He's a young man like the rest of us. And he, he, 
Dennis so much speed at college, but I think it, a new fuss scope for him this year with his first multi-year deal is a good good thing, but it's hard to tell not knowing. I'll have to see him race Daytona, maybe what's up, I got Atlanta, and then Bristol, maybe. I yeah, I think the start to the season will look more impressive, especially considering that that Roush program was so good at the Super Speedways and honestly has been for years. I think the real test will be once they get through the first two races, once they go to a quote-unquote real racetrack, as Kyle Bush once called it, to see what ends up happening after they get off the Super Speedways. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Ryan there. Is, uh, he's got to go to some mile and a half, and then we can about it. I was saying, it depends on how much power they're getting out of that technical alliance. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can all agree. Like, uh, it was either Tyler or Ryan that just said it. Uh, RFK was definitely the better Ford team in 2023. So, um, it's just... I think, I think... I think maybe RWR shows up this year and uh, is uh, competitive. Yeah, I would say top 15s. Top 15, top 20. I mean, Justin Haley is literally my age. He's 20, what, 24 years old? Yeah. So he still has a lot of time to grow. And honestly, I think Rick Ware Racing was on the rise anyway. I mean, it, Cody Ware is Cody Ware, but... When they had Jensen yeah. Button, they were when they had Jensen Button and who was it, JJ Yaley run, they were probably a top fifteen, top twenty team each week. Yep. All right. So um our next uh fresh face in a new place um is uh none other than Shane Van Gisbergen. So Shane Van Gisbergen is known for uh, racing in the Supercars Championship mm-hmm. in, um, I believe, Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, he has three Supercar Championships in 2016, 2021, and 2022. Uh, 80 total wins, which is fourth all-time on the Supercars Championship win list. And he has won the Bot Hurst 1,003 times in 2020. 2022 and 2023 now we all know that he made his nascar cup series debut at the chicago street course last year driving the number 91 for track house racing in the uh their uh quote project 91 car and he became the first driver to win in his cup series debut since 1963 now it was announced in 20 uh right after that actually that he was going to race, um, I believe it was a 2025 uh, full-time in the Cup Series. Mm-hmm. So, but before that, before that, he is actually going to compete full-time in the Xfinity, Xfinity Series, series yep. and the number 97 uh, Chevrolet for Colleg, um in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, guys, uh, starting with Mr. Ben, uh, how do we feel about that? Eh. I think he might be a flash in the pan. 
Um, I, the only reason why he won the road course is because he's a road course expert. I mean, he's a street course expert as well. There you go. That, that, that even favors more in his odds. I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Because the Xfinity, we'll how he does. just remember, the Xfinity car is completely different from the Cup car. It's gonna, it has a four, four, eight, four gear, four gear H pattern standard <laughs> shifting. You're gonna have to use the clutch a little bit more than the Cup, <laughs> and it weighs. And plus, it doesn't handle nearly as well, and it has about maybe like 20, about fifty less horsepower. Yeah, uh, Mr. Ryan. All right, so I don't know how many of you guys either knew about it or actually watched the one truck race that he actually took part in, because that was probably the start last year that intrigued me the most from SVG, because it wasn't on a road course, it wasn't on a street course, it was actually at Gateway Motorsports Park in the summertime. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched highlights, I didn't watch the actual race. Yeah, so I stayed up and watched the entire race of that as it was happening. And he fought and stayed on the lead lap all the way up until I think he got lapped with like five laps to go or something. But he finished top 20 in his first ever oval start in a NASCAR truck, which is extremely different from anything he's ever driven. He was also not, no, he was also on shitty equipment too, to put it to top. Yeah, he was in Nice Motorsports, which I would no, say. No, wait, Nice not... Motorsports, Motorsports is top equipment. Yeah, it definitely isn't whoa, terrible whoa, whoa, equipment, whoa. but it... Nice Motorsports, it's not top equipment in the... my eyes. It, it was when Ross Chastain was running it. Nice yeah, I would say it's probably... Top, top 10, been like the last five, six years. Well, yeah, I would the say top, it's probably top truck tier equipment. Out. I'd probably say it's probably tier two equipment. Yeah, yeah tier two, maybe. They're not like, they're not like all-stars like Thor or Sport. Or exactly, yeah, but they're like top 10, top 15 easily. Well, but when you factor in that there were five Thor Sport trucks last year, I mean, that clogs up that top 10 pretty quick when you fill up five of only four because Thor Sport trucks. Only four because fucking, fucking Taylor Deacon. Nope, only four. That well, yeah, come. but then you have. Then you had GMS who had at least one or two cars up in the top 10 to 15 all the time between. You also had KBM. Yeah, Finger and uh, uh, Raja Karuth was in that 24 truck uh, a lot. Yeah, DGR or whatever the hell they call it now. Yeah, David Gillian Racing had a few up yes. there. You had the Front Row Motorsports Ford that was up in the mix every week. You had KBM too. Don't forget about KBM. Yeah, I mean, KBM took a bit of a step back the last couple of years, especially the shift to Chevy seemed to hold them back a little bit, but... Yeah, they were working that mix as well. Rumor has, it has, rumor has it Hendrick's bringing back their truck program in the next few years, from what I've been hearing. Yeah, so again, that top 10 oh. to 15 starts getting very populated, and again, just gives more credit to a guy making his first mm. oval start. Still, though, a, never, a guy who never raced an oval finished top 20 in his first start, that is pretty damn good. And stayed on the lead lap all day. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, we went a lap down early. Because once you go that lap down, it's very hard to recover. But he fought and stayed on the lead lap all day. Yep. Now, my... now I will. Oh, go, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Tyler. No, my, my personal opinion on SVG, I watched some of those highlights with, like, the supercars. The only reason I'm concerned that he probably won't do well in the Xfinity 
is how well is he going to adapt to uh, stick shift? How well is he going to handle a car that is basically a, a brick on wheels? I'm sorry, those Xfinity cars handle, they're great on a mile and a half and stuff like that, but their road, their road courses, they handle like shit. Yeah. So, so and, how, and, and the thing is, is, is he going to be able to handle do, being able to um, heel toe like Ayrton Senna? Is he going to be able to adapt it like quickly, like, <laughs> like oh, what is it called? Marcus Ambrose did and Juan Montoya did. Yep. And the key thing is, He's got to have a good leader. That is true, yeah. Yeah, who is crew chiefing that program? Do we know? Uh, um, not at the I'm not entirely sure. I don't know either, actually. Um, let me see if Wikipedia has any information. Yeah, because whoever they pair him up with, that's going to be almost as important as what series he's in. I mean, yep. no, I mean I obviously the Cup Series would... Pr- would be way more to his liking because it, the cars are similar to he, what he's driven before, but now I will add um, that it was announced uh, just a so, couple of weeks ago that right before the Xfinity Series race at Daytona, he will be competing in the ARCA Series race to get some extra yeah, track read, time. I read that. Yep. And I think he's isn't so, he also trying like, out for the 500 too? Yes. Uh, Oh, is he uh, attempt to qualify for the 500? I knew he announced a few cup races. Didn't see so if it they says, was on uh, there. On December 31st, 2023, Colleague Racing announced that Van Gisberg will compete full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And he also plans to run ARCA at race, the ARCA race at Daytona in order to receive approval to compete at Super Speedway events in NASCAR on January 2nd. It was announced that he would have to be, he would then be competing for Pinnacle Racing Group in the race. Yeah, I know when it comes to his cup, no, <laughs> both Talladega races were on there and the Coke 600's on there. I don't remember hearing Daytona 500 named. Um, yeah, I, believe, I, believe, I believe it was announced a few, it was probably, I think it was last week that he was going to try to run the uh, I, with the 91, Daytona 500. With the 91, I think, right? Uh, it, was, I, it was either the 91 or the 97, I think. Well, I know he's in an Xfinity car for 97. Maybe he's trying for Xfinity race. I don't know. Well, well yeah, he has to. Well, yeah. Right, now, he's a... Uh... I honestly think he'll do good on the road courses. It's just the fact that, well, I don't know if he's going to, how quickly he's going to adapt to his uh, mile and a half. Yeah. All right. So um, while we're on the topic of Shane Van Gisbergen, I did see um, a potential sponsor. Red for Bull. Him, yeah. either, either in 2024 or 2025, Justin Marks posted a photo on his Instagram page and he tagged a bunch of people Red Bull. and then right at the end he tagged Red Bull. Because Red Bull he's a Red Bull athlete and honestly Max, Max Verstappen has been trying I was actually talking about it the other day I was watching a podcast of Max Verstappen um, he was talking about it the other day and says like it would be kind of cool to see uh, 
Red Bull and other motorsports than instead of just knowing as me, I'm the Red Bull driver. He wants to see it like he wants to see it in other motorsports besides F1. So, well, uh, well, remember we had F1 or not F1. We had a uh, Red Bull. It was not very as uh, a team. It's going to be a sponsor. It's not going to. It's not going to be a, like an actual team. Oh uh, yeah, I know that, but I mean, it was a sponsor there for the longest time, and Casey Kane actually did pretty well when he raced for him. All right, I've got I've got SVG's uh, Cup schedule pulled up here, so. The seven uh, races no. SVG is currently scheduled to race for in 2024 will be Circuit of the Americas, both Talladega races, the Coke 600, the Chicago Street Course, Watkins Glen, and Las Vegas Motor Speedway in October. Ooh, oh, I'm going okay. to Watkins Glen, so, though. So those are the uh, seven races, of, and that's coming from RacingAmerica.com on their thing about the track house announcement so i don't see a car number okay and team and car number for those cup efforts have not been announced yet according to again this article here and then he also mentions obviously um his xfinity program and Zane Smith will be in the Spire Motorsports 71 with the same sponsor there for the 500. Okay. Well, all righty then. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see uh, come next month how SVG fares in his uh, Xfinity Series debut at Daytona. Yep. Yep. All right. So we are going to now move into our W Energy Bold Predictions presented by... W Energy. Do you need a pick me up during the day? Pick up some W Energy. Click the link in our bio, and Ben hit us with that promo code. It is SSPP ten. SSPP ten. All right. This week's W Energy's bold prediction question is: Which Joe Gibbs Racing driver in the NASCAR Cup Series has the most pressure on them going into the 2024 season? Ty Gibbs. Starting with Ben. Oh, sorry. Um. Honestly, I'm gonna say it. Uh, oh man, it's either between Hamlin or Truex. Um. I'm gonna go with. Hamlin. Okay, Somebody and why is got... why why is that? Because man, he 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 hasn't been Denny Hamlin of old anymore. He's he's showing his age, and Truex is too. Um, it just show me what you have, or it's on your way out. And I, I don't feel like Hamlin has too many more years left, and Truex is not too far behind him. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Tyler. Hear me? I, my personal opinion is Ty Gibbs. Why Why Ty Gibbs? Well, one, he's on a well, second full, full year in Gibbs. His third year, if you want to count, 2022. But his third, it's, this is his uh, third season, second full time. He needs to step up. I think, honestly, he's going to stay in Gibbs regardless. But he needs to step up and start showing the fact that he can win in top tier equipment and actually show that he belongs in the cup. Okay. Not Ryan, doing... what about you? All right. So I actually think that the, uh, 
it kind of the pressure should be falling on Christopher Bell because in terms of uh, the pressure on the two older guys there, Truex and Hamlin, um, Hamlin, he just signed, what was it, a three-year extension and a three-year extension with FedEx. So his quote-unquote long-term future with the team is solidified. Um, so he'll be able to retire pretty much on his own terms when he feels like it. I'm assuming that he probably will end up retiring at the end of that three-year stint because he'll be nearing kind of that age where a lot of drivers start to see that start that stark decline in performance. Martin Tricks Jr., he's been talking about retirement for two, three years. So aside from the pressure to try and end his career on a championship run, Again, there doesn't seem like there's much pressure because, unlike usual, Joe Gibbs doesn't have an Xfinity-level talent right now that is pressuring to try and threaten to take one of those two seats away in Cup. Because that's normally the position he's been in with Gibbs has been. There's always somebody knocking right on that door who's who's already proven that they might be Cup-ready before the Xfinity season even begins. And right now, I really don't think that the NASCAR Xfinity series or even the uh, Tricon Garage truck program really has anyone that's proven that they are absolutely ready, except for maybe Corey Hine. Uh, John Hunter Numechek. John Hunter Numechek is going to be in uh, is already in Cup this next year, though, driving for uh, 2311. Oh yeah, no, uh, Legacy Motor Club or Legacy. Yeah. Oh, is, oh, is he for Legacy Motor Club? I knew he got moved up to one of the two other Toyota teams, but um, odds are he's not going to be very competitive fighting for one of those in-house Joe Gibbs seats, and certainly not at the point of pressuring one of the uh, older guys out there. Then you've got kind of the discussion of who's going to be the team leader long term there, and I think that pressure should fall on Christopher Bell as he has the most experience and he is on the older side compared to some of the other young guys that came in in kind of that same rookie class with him. Well, I guess. And with Ty Gibbs, he just needs to avoid, I think, having a Austin Cindric type uh, sophomore slump. I mean, even of the NASCAR drivers we currently have, very few of them, if any, won in their first two seasons. So, I mean, sure, Ty Gibbs looked like a better prospect than them, but I think giving him at least uh, two full seasons without a win, I wouldn't be shocked. And then year three would be the time to turn up that pressure. All right, uh, JP. So, I have a very interesting take on this. All right, go for it. So... Let's 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 put Ryan on the spot since he's new. Ryan, I'm right here. Tell tell me if you agree with this statement. Uh, I I believe that the pressure is on Denny Hamlin to perform. Otherwise. He will, he will not be at your good racing regardless of a three-year contract after three years are up 
if he wants to keep racing, where do you think he goes, Ryan? And I mean, I think he either, you know, he'll either go to his own team or he'll retire. Because again, he's what forty three. He's what is he now? Forty two, forty one, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so by the end of his three year contract, he'll be what forty four, forty five. I mean, that's right around that same age that Harvick retired. No, it's it. It would be he'd be older than when Dale Jr. retired. He'd be around the same age Jeff Gordon was when he stepped away. Tony Stewart was in that same age range. Kenseth. Kenseth was I mean, like fifty well, something. Kenseth wasn't fifty when he stepped away. He was like 40, 45, 46, something. And like that. I, he's fifty one years old, dude. Then I yeah, also and, and he didn't. Well, and he stepped away from full-time racing at the end of 2017. That was six years ago now. Then I also want to bring to your guys' attention. Or 2018. Um, I think Hamlin has a lot of pressure this year to win the championship. Just because Gibbs has put so much into that program for him. For Faggot to sign with Hamlin for three more years, along with Hamlin signing a three year contract. So that, that to me is a lot of pressure on Hamlin. I, I feel very much the opposite there, though. I think the fact that he was able to get a major company to re up for three full seasons. I mean, that is extremely rare in this age of NASCAR where sponsors are barely able to cover uh, eight to ten races for most of them are not willing to cover more than that. So I think the fact that he's already managed to get FedEx to commit there and they didn't lose another major sponsor for the second year in a row because if they lost (laughs) FedEx and potentially Hamlin right after losing M&M's and uh, when they lost Eminem's and Kyle Busch, yeah, I think what is I think that was the big pressure was on him last year to make sure that that contract got done. Well, Danny, although I don't disagree, I think there should be at least some pressure for him to make a run at the championship at some point in these final three years. Yeah, I but think he's got three years to accomplish it Danny, as well. Danny, both Danny and. Martin Truex are the same age, just remember. Yeah, but Truex is the one that's been talking about retirement and has been signing only one-year extensions versus Denny, who has signed a three-year deal. I don't think Denny is going to be in in driving full-time much longer because he needs to... Exactly. That's why I I said Ty Gibbs because, like I said, he's the up-and-coming. But I might... There's also a pressure on Denny too, because he's the he's the longest tenured one at Gibbs right now. Yeah, yeah. So, so my my thoughts is um, I'm gonna have to agree with Ryan on this. I'm gonna I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to say the pressure is on Christopher Bell, and because because of that, like he made the championship four in 2023, didn't have the best showing in the championship race, uh, not by his own doing. It was because of failure of parts. But if you think about it, when Truex and Hamlin do decide to retire, Christopher Bell is going to be technically the longest tenured driver at Joe Gibbs Racing. So he's going to have to become the leader of that team. Great. 
Do you think he's got capabilities to be a leader of that team? I uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's absolutely no doubt that Christopher Bell has that kind of capability. It's just about living up to the hype. Because, I mean, think about all the wins he had in Xfinity before moving up to Cup. And then it took him, what was it, two and a half, three years to really kind of hit his stride. But then he went to, what was it, two straight championship fours now? Yeah. He was in the 2022 championship four as well. Yep. So... Yet he's definitely got the on-track skills. The big thing I'd be looking for is the off-the-track leadership to take that he, step, that next he, step. He needs to step up. Agreed. He does. Because he needs, I, he needs to show Joe Gibbs the fact that, like, hey, when when Truex and Denny are gone, I'm the next guy up to lead this team to a, to a championship. It's a, I agree. And to potentially mentor a couple of young rookies because odds are when Truex and Hamlin both step away. I think at the end of this year, honestly. I personally... I think Truex will be out at the end of this year. I think he, he's just kind of been pu- pushing it off little by little, and eventually he's just going to not push it to just, delay his just retirement. Think, just think about it, guys. Although all of our drive, all the drivers we grew up watching are literally like, there's what? How many are left now? I mean, <laughs> depends on when you consider having started watching. Like 2005, 2006 era. So that would pretty, like pretty much Kyle none. As, I mean, it's going to be yeah, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Truex, really. Yeah, they're the three longest tenured drivers, I believe, in the Cup Series as of right now. And then there's a bit of a lull before you get to the Joey Logano era. Joe Logano, Brad Kozlowski era. Joe Logano was 2009. Brad Kozlowski was 2010. Yep. Jesus, wow. I mean, technically, if you still count Ryan Newman running part-time. Yeah, but Newman's not running full-time. as I pretty much consider him retired to the same degree as when I mentioned Kenseth earlier. Mm-hmm. I didn't factor in his 2021 season when 20, he, or his 2020 season, season when he came back for, to fill for Kyle Larson. Yeah, because yeah. I counted him as retired before then, and then he just stepped back in to fill that seat where needed because nothing was going on in personal life at that point anyway. My right. my, like, my personal opinion is the fact that like. In next like two three years, it's gonna be a completely completely new field. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I say one thing I think that is gonna to have to happen at some point is that some of these um, hot shot Xfinity rookies who keep flying up through the rec- ranks are gonna to have to start becoming comfortable with spending two three four years in Xfinity. Before getting the mm-hmm. cup, because there is the cup series won't be able to sustain having, say, three, four, five rookies a year moving up into the seats. Because eventually, you're going to have everybody who's only been in the series for two, three years. And unlike other sports, auto racing it takes more time and more development than any other sport. Once Kyle Busch is gone, you want to know the two longest tenure drivers are Joe Logano and Brett Keselowski. Yeah, exactly. 
And then it goes then, then to Ryan, then then to uh, then to uh, that was it. Then to um, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Austin Dillon would be Austin, right after that. Austin Dillon, mm-hmm. Ricky Stenhouse. Yep. Yeah, Stenhouse it's, was 2013, then Dillon Alex, was, I think, Actually, technically, Alex Bowman would be in that, too, if you think about it. Yeah, because yeah. he did those part. You know, he did those... Uh, did he do a full season for one of those teams? Oh, uh, uh, BK. He ran, BK. Uh, BK. He, he the ran 23 car. season for BK. 23 car, I think, for five years, and then I uh, went to, I believe, what was the other team he went to? Um, uh, Phoenix uh, Racing, mm-hmm. I think he did a stint at. He went to... Uh, Tommy Baldwin. Uh, Tommy Baldwin. Yeah. Tommy Baldwin. And then you got Ryan Blaney, who will be next. Well, yeah, Ryan Blaney, but he was uh, I say he was a rookie in the 2016 season with Chase Elliott. Wow, that just makes us think that we're getting old, guys. <laughs> well, it's starting to, it, again, it's not changing of the guard, but. Yeah, well. We can't be expecting that to continue rotating through people every ten to fifth or every ten to fifteen minutes. It's like, oh yeah, this next guy is up. This next guy is up. Like, but do you realize how long it took to get to the how young the field is now? Oh yeah, I know. It, it took, took tw- a, almost almost thirty years actually. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm thirty one. You know, so but... has to do with all these drivers' longevity wise. The thing, yep. is, the thing is, is like it didn't. I think the full rookie, I think the full rookie put like the new era of NASCAR started after in two thousand. Honestly, yeah. Well, and to an extent, though, and kind of circling back to the point that I was getting to there with the, about the young drivers, is that you know, a lot of people after two or three years are already looking to kick this guy out the ride, and it's like. It takes more than two or three years for ninety percent of these drivers to get to the point of winning races and how many, winning championships. It took Chase Elliott three years to first get his first cup win. Yeah, ninety nine races it to took, get his I mean, first win. It took William Byron until twenty twenty to win his first race. Yeah, it took William no, Byron, again ninety nine no. exact ninety nine races exactly. Byron and Elliot took the exact same number Alex of races Bowman, to win their first. Alex Bowman took over 130 races. Yeah, although you factor in that he was... With BK. You know, it took him one full year in the uh, 88 car, plus the experience of being in a bad car before that. Let's yep. see Let's see who else took a long time to win. I mean, Danny Higgins can't really count really count him. He had one because he won in his rookie year. Yeah, again, looking at the younger drivers, though, from this current generation of drivers, like Blaney, Bla- took over a year to Blaney won in 2017. Chris Buescher, yeah, Chris Buescher got it, did get a win as a rookie in 2016, but I don't, it took him a while to become a consistent contender. I think same with Justin Haley, yeah, Haley will take, and that's why I've been saying like people shouldn't be. Looking for these guys to get replaced at this point so, after only two or three years. That's why I'm so hard on like Ty Gibbs, and let's see, I'm going to be so hard on Ryan Priest. I was gonna say Cindric can't have another season like he just had. Otherwise, how long did it take Joey Logano to become a, like a true championship contender? I mean, he had what 
two years at Gibbs, and then he shifted over to three. Penske. 2009. Oh, three years. Yeah, he, and 2013, he switched to Gibbs, or Penske. Okay, so in 2013, and then it was, tw- so it was two years at Penske and three years, so it took him five years to become a championship threat. And it took, let's see, I'm trying to think of who else, like, I'm trying to think. I mean, Blaney, it took him from 2016 to, till uh, really last year was the first year he really was threatening for a title. Martin Truex, how long did that take him to get to a championship level? Well, and that came from just kind of shifting around teams because he was at DEI as they were shutting down. Then he bounced around to like two or three other teams. No, he was, well, no, he was only with uh, one other team before, uh, or only two other teams before he switched. Uh, he went from DEI to MWR, which he was solid at MWR. He was actually very yeah, and fast. Yeah, and then he got caught up in the cheating scandal there. And they moved over to um, Furniture Row and turned them into one of the best teams in the NASCAR. And unfortunately, well, but that even took a year after he got there because he didn't turn he them was, around right away until no, he met up with uh, Toyota. Not even that. The year before that, 2015, uh, he made it to, what, the championship four as a Chevy team once he got his crew chief there, the Canadian. Oh. Cole Pern. Cole, there Cole we go. Pern. That's the name. Cole Pern. Yeah, I was trying to think of the name, but yeah, once you Cole got Pern wasn't there for that first year in, in Furniture Row Equipment. He was awful. And how long did it take Michael McDowell to become a serious threat for top 15, top 10s? Yep. Michael McDowell. I say he's another one of my favorites right there. McDowell, let's see. Because he, he was in like 08, I think he was was kind of when I first remember hearing about him. Because I think guy. that was when the Texas crash yep. happened. Mm-hmm. I, thought and, about and, Mc, I knew about McDowell before that, but. But yeah, and then he get, just kind of spent so many years on very much bottom of the barrel equipment at like Levine Family Racing, getting benched for Ty, for, uh, Ty Dillon. At now, one point. Actually, now, if we're going to talk about drivers who have the most pressure on them this year, Daniel Suarez. Suarez should have plenty of pressure because the Trackhouse team has a lot of drivers committed. <laughs> Daniel and... Suarez. I yeah. personally think, I think Alex Bowman has some pressure on him this year. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think Bowman will have some. Not quite as much as uh, Austin. Austin Cindric has some. His his seat is burning fucking hot. Yeah, he's another one where I kind of mentioned it earlier. He cannot have another season like he did, even though his dad is president of Team Penske. It's gonna like, be a, it's a joke. It's a tie. Than he should. It's a joke. It's a tie Gibbs situation. If you think about it. Yeah, and again, I'm trying to look at it without the last name in play, even. I mean, he can afford to have one bad year as a sophomore slump, but he needs to start proving that that was a one-year thing and not a sign of things to come. Now, the one, now, like I said, like Cross Chastain's good. Uh, let's see. You know who also has a lot of pressure, or a lot of pressure, Chase, Chase Briscoe. Uh, okay, that wasn't originally the chase I was thinking because I think 
there I is do. Chase be, Elliott needs to bounce back. I think there's going to be some pressure on Chase Elliott, even though I don't think it's necessarily entirely justified, well, mainly because of the season he just had. Yeah. Booking league. The thing is, is everybody, everybody was calling Chase Elliott washed. Well, dude, when you try racing with an in, try racing injured and have an injured. Yeah, and that's why I would say that. Injured and I wouldn't say it's a being... ton of pressure because he does have his contract for another what three to five years or something like that. Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott, dude, dude, Chase Elliott's seat's fine. There's no worry. Yeah, he's him. definitely fine. But him and Alex, him, where him and William Byron, Byron are set. Um, but if he struggles for say two more years in a row and it looks like this injury is lingering more than just one, that's year, why he got the surgery in the off season, so it wouldn't bother him. Yeah. Because but, it, all right, guys. Um, shifting gears a little bit. All right. Um, what? Shifting third of, or fourth gear? Uh, we're gonna go to fourth gear right now. Uh, speaking of uh, old and young, um, I'm gonna let Ryan take the lead on this. Let's talk about the breaking news from yesterday. Uh, Ray Evernham posting on his Twitter page about the rebirth of the IROC series. All right. So. Yeah, the IROC series is returning, which for, ironically for me, I was only just getting into auto racing of any kind because I was still in diapers pretty much by the time the IROC series was Ryan, you're the youngest. You're the second youngest out of all of us, aren't you? Uh, Probably. I'm only 22 years old, so. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, you and I was literally, I was five years old when the IROC series came to a close in that, or I was turning six when. I'm, I rock seven. I was seven. No six. I'm 24 years old, so. So yeah, but um, according to the um, to the uh, post that that Ray Evernham put out himself, IROC Holding has been formed to to house the buildings of operation with the intent to have an IROC racing event in 2024 with historic IROC cars while exploring future opportunities. All right, gentlemen, so, right, I got to step away, part, guys. I'll talk to you guys later. All, all right. right. But, uh, yeah, so, so far, though, from what has been said, it only sounds like they are planning on a single kind of almost historic event to just kind of show off the old cars while potentially preparing for something bigger in the somewhat near future, which what form that will take. I don't really know because there aren't an, a lot of details public yet from Ray Everham. Yeah. yeah. But, so, so well, remember uh, Ray Everham uh, helped uh, start um, SRX Racing with Tony Stewart, which uh, when it first came around, they were talking about it was kind of similar to the IROC uh, series of the of old. Because the in the in SRX the, the cars are set up exactly the same, and and you know it's all about momentum and it's uh, uh, unlike um, the uh, IROC series. SRX is uh, short track based. Um, we know IROC raced on all sorts of different tracks, super speedways, mile and a half, and stuff like that. You know, um, but SRX this, is also very much still American based in terms of their superstars that they bring in, like. Yeah, the, all their superstars that they've had. I think, aside from maybe one or two, almost all of their major events that they have won all happened inside the United States. 
there might be a couple of of uh, Rolex or not Rolex, but uh, Le Mans twenty four winners maybe in the mix. But I don't even know about that off the top of my head from the rosters I've seen. Well, I mean, they had like uh, Tony Kanan and Elio Castroneves and them run, and I don't, I think they're they're Indy five hundred winners though. That, I don't know if they even. Oh, you're you're talking about American based motorsports, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Is that all of their superstars, pretty much all of their success happened within the borders of the United States. Not directly NASCAR, although I think a lot of their roster has been NASCAR primarily. So, Ryan, in that statement, it does not say any drivers to be determined on who will be competing in that Iowa race. No, the only statement about the thing is that it has been uh, formed with the intent to have an IROC racing event in 2024 with historic cars. Which, what that means, I don't know. I could see it being an exhibition race, maybe in partnership with Rockingham to potentially try and just completely do a throwback, but... Again, well, that would you, pretty much be entirely speculation at this point. Well, you just you just answered my next question. I was going to ask you guys, where do you think this race would take place? I think it would be a great thing for Rockingham if Rockingham does, and I think they do, have a true intent to return to a NASCAR or any sort of major schedule. I think them reaching out to IROC and trying to help IROC put on this exhibition race because it only states one event. If you try and help become basically a founding member or a core memory in the new IROC's legacy, you can potentially become maybe one of their staple tracks and cement yourself on a somewhat significant calendar for years to come similar to what Stafford Speedway has done with the SRX calendar, where Stafford Speedway hosting that first ever SRX race has now become almost a staple of that SRX calendar every single year. So Um, I think Rockingham could be in a good spot to potentially do that for the IROC. I tend to agree with Ryan, but the crack, I would like to see... Um, it's honestly now I might be, um, <laughs> I might be kind of far back here, but maybe before the cup card come to Iowa, um, having a race here on a short track. Maybe or Richmond. One of those two places would be good because I right. used to go to so, Richmond. So real quick, just not trying to step over anybody here, but the the downside or the reason why I wouldn't see Iowa or Richmond potentially pushing to try and get the SRX. Or not the SRX, the IROC series, I mean. Um, I think Rockingham will be more aggressive towards trying to almost recruit 
the okay. uh, IROC series because they don't have it. They don't currently have a major racing series of any kind. Because Iowa has the Iowa doubleheader for IndyCar plus NASCAR joining them this coming summer. So in terms like of major that. events, they have a couple of them to keep. I like them. that idea because then but, that way they would get in the limelight and hopefully other series will win. Yeah. So yeah. if if it does end up becoming Iowa or Richmond, that would be on. But the pressure then would be on IROC reaching out to one of those two tracks versus where I think um, Rockingham would very much be the one reaching out to the you know, IROC series and putting their name in. Because Rockingham, just like North Wilkesboro and just like Charlotte, got a decent chunk of change from the government during the uh, government during the COVID uh, lockdown to help with renovating their facilities. So to think that they aren't making some kind of move to become a staple on a schedule somewhere. Yep. And the new IROC series could be the perfect opportunity there. Yep. All right. So I have a, uh, I have a pop-up trivia question for you guys and no looking on Google. All right. All right. So we've we've already established that the last IROC series race was in 2006 because Ryan said he was six years old, correct? Yep. Yep. All right. Who won the final IROC race at what track and who won the championship? I know the championship was Tony Stewart. All right. All right. We'll go. We'll start with Ryan. So I know the championship was Tony Stewart. I don't remember if he was also the final race winner. Final race was Kansas, if I'm not mistaken. And who won? Uh, who won the race? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know Stewart won the championship, so with how short the IROC seasons are, probably Stewart. Uh, All right, uh, Ben, uh, give me your answer. Uh, I'm going to guess Martin. Mark Martin won the race. Okay. I'm. I can't answer the other questions because I already read on it. I'm. Um. I'm going to say, um, Matt Kenseth. I just got here. What are y'all talking about? We're doing pop up trivia about the final IROC season. Who was the champion? Who who won the final race? And at what track was the final race held? Actually, Google. I know none of that. I I would have to Google it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no Googling. It was in 06, so that's what year the knowledge would have to come from. But uh, I was, I'm going with Mark Martin. Yeah, I was six years old at the time, so I. All right, so, uh, so JP, you said Matt Kenseth won the race. Yeah. All right, what track? Um, Texas. Uh, okay. No, Orlando. Yeah. Okay. All right, and who who do you think was the champion? Your champion had to be Mark Martin. All right. And Rumble, you said it was I Mark Martin. I Stewart championship thing. I, I, I did say it was Mark Martin, but I don't know the track. I'm just going by you said it was 2006, and I'm thinking 2006. Uh, man, I might be completely off there. Was Mark Martin yeah. still racing in 2006? Yes. He was. 
Yeah, that was his. I think that was his final year at Roush. Yep. It was 06. There and then know. he went and did a couple of years driving for other teams. Mark Martin, that, that, that guy's. Well, he's not underrated because everybody respects him, but. Uh, yeah, he, right. he deserves some championships. I would say that guy was. All right. Well, who do you who do you think who do you think won the IROC championship that year? In two thousand and six. Yep. I want to say Mark Martin. <laughs> okay. All right. Here comes the correct answer. All right. The, Let's the, see. The final IROC race was held at Atlanta Motor Speedway. All right. JP got that one. The race winner was Martin Truex Jr. Wow. Okay, none of us got that wow, one. Wow, right? And, totally and the, the radar. And the yep. champion was Tony Stewart. It was his third IROC Series championship. Wow. Who would have guessed? I might have had that one right. <laughs> I, I was way off. So, uh, Greg, um, don't forget we got to, since Rumble is here, we got to go back over. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, you you got you guys feel that? What's yeah. that? Yep. I feel I feel a rumbling beneath my feet. It's like oh, the man, ground. Is... Oh man! Yeah. It sounds it feels like it's coming from the foothills of Canada. You, you don't want to hear my opinion. I think it's time for let's get ready to rumble. Presented by Fanatics. Do All you right. need your 2024 NASCAR merch apparel? Click on the link in our bio. And go purchase your NASCAR 2024 merch apparel. Rumble, what are you grumbling about today? I'm grumbling that I don't think Ray Everham is going to do IROC properly. I think he's going to SRX it. I don't know if you guys talked about this. I'm sorry. I missed most of this. But I think Ray Everham is going to SRX the, the IROC series. The IROC series used to run at the super speedways. And everybody from across many racing series came there and... It did very well. A lot of guys did very well there, and uh, that's what I'd like to see. What do you guys think? You think? Do you think? Yes, or sorry, Iraq's going to come back and be the Iraq that it's the Iraq that I remember, right? Decades. Yeah. So, well, see, it's it's perfect that you were grumbling about that because we were literally just talking about the rebirth of Iraq. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, as I will start here, uh, but yeah, from the news, like from the uh, post that Ray Everham put out himself, it seems like the plan is for one solo exhibition race using the old, uh, uh, the old IROC cars that he has kept in his collection because he's done multiple like social media posts and gone on YouTube. Uh, podcasts and stuff talking about some of the old cars that he has in his collection. So it sounds like at least this one exhibition race is going to be a very historic, very true to the original series. Now, we don't know what track it could be at, but it sounds like it'll be using the original cars from probably that 2000 to 2006 era of IROC. And Going forward, I would be curious to see, because obviously Ray Evernham left the SRX at some point, I'd be curious to see what decisions he didn't like about the SRX that led him to leave to try and start the rebirth of IROC. I, I really do think if it does take off, I think it will be a, a competitor to the SRX. 
And I, I think they should do shorter tracks and versus the bigger tracks because I think a shorter track just needs to shine. Now, my only problem there would be that I think if you do exclusively short tracks for this IROC rebirth, I think you potentially step entirely on Tony Stewart's toes and it comes down to is that going to be the goal? Is the goal going to be to try and just stomp out the SRX? Because there's plenty of larger tracks that don't get the publicity that they used to. I mean, well, uh, Milwaukee up in uh, Wisconsin could definitely hold a race. They held a truck race got, last uh, year. You also got a question also, what type of cars are they using? Um, is he going to plan on possibly switching to dirt tracks as well? Because dirt tracks could also be involved. Yeah, yeah. and I think because that would be the kind of the other thing would be trying to diversify the kind of regionalization of the schedule because obviously yeah, I mean, if you stick be... in North Carolina there's a short track every two feet every yeah, I mean, we feet have on another track we have a dirt track right here in Georgetown in Delaware that uh, I think was Ross, I think Ross Chastain was supposed to race at that one weekend when it rained in Dover and I think it got rescheduled and he raced there I think that one one weekend so, yeah, yeah, I mean, let's say we just had, um, yeah, we just had Unity Raceway uh, up here in uh, up here in Unity, Maine, that just reopened uh, this past year to uh, racing activity. I actually don't tell anyone that anyone I said this, but I actually uh, back during I think it was 2021, I actually climbed under the fence to take a look at some of the renovations they were making because they were converting it from asphalt back to dirt back to what it originally was for a dirt track and they've been having dirt racing events there last year so hoping to get to go see that track in person for a real race one of these days where it's only a short 10 minute drive away oh yeah yeah JP you got any thoughts on Rumble's comments yeah I I think that Rumble is exactly right. Is is the iWalk series going to revamp itself and go back to the Google Gate? Because that was some great racing. I mean, I I still watch that racing on YouTube, and uh, I think think you know. Having a SRS series um, as competition will be good to see which one of them keeps their series around. You know, honestly, I would actually much rather see the SRX or not the SRX. I'd like to see the SRX try and stay where it is, roughly in the summer, and maybe make the. IROC series possibly Spring. depending on how many races they end up doing because again this first for 2024 at least it sounds like again a single event but potentially having the International Race of Champions series become almost like a late fall early winter type thing um, to start like right after the NASCAR season ends to try and pick up all those stock car people who don't have anything to watch, 
possibly offer a guaranteed seat to whoever wins that NASCAR championship, since they will be a newly crowned champion for the race of champions, could be an idea, but a lot of it is going to be wait and see. Now, let me let me ask you, um, you know, it's it, I, obviously you just stated it. IROC stands for International Race of Champions, right? Yep. So do they bring in drivers from other motorsports and not just American-based motorsports, maybe F1 or supercars or IMSA or something like that? I would hope that the offer is at least extended to um, to those people. Now, it's very possible that someone like Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen or any of the F1 champions would potentially just not want to come over to race these cars because a lot of drivers these days compared to the older days of when the when IROC was really at its best you had drivers who would come over uh, would cross over from time from time to time like Tony Stewart going to the Indy 500 or um, F1 champions coming to run the IndyCar series or vice versa IndyCar guys going overseas to go race in uh, F1, like, uh, trying to remember the guy's name. I can't remember his name. Oh, won four IndyCar championships and then went over to F1 for a, or went international for something. You got yeah. Schumacher, you got Andretti. Yeah, Schumacher, Andretti. AJ Foyt. Yeah, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Let me Google it real quick. I know the name's going to come to me as soon as I start typing it in. Robbie Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the name I was thinking of. But... Or Arts and Senna? No, he, he raced somewhat recently. Um, I'll have the name here momentarily. I know it's going to stick out to me like a sore Dar- thumb the second I see it. Dario Franchitti. Sebastian Bourdais. There we go. There we go. Yeah, Bourdais was the one I was trying to think of because I know he won four championships back in the uh, in the car IRL split era of IndyCar and then went abroad. I think he actually went over there for sports cars, not necessarily F1. But I think he was looking for either one and Ultimately, he came back to the States to race an IndyCar again. But, yeah, I, w- right, well. I would like to see it extended, especially potentially guaranteeing a seat to, say, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Champions, whoever ends up being the full time, the full series champions of that. Again, trying to brand itself as a League of Champions, guaranteeing some spots to... Again, your active champions from the 2024, from the previous season, (coughs) as well as having a couple of other invitational spots for past champions like your Chase Elliott, your Kyle Larson, your um, potentially your Elio Castroneves from the IndyCar series. Guys who might not be active champions, but yeah you're Jeff Gordon as well if they're Earnhardt open Jr. to the idea of racing in the series 
because obviously you can't force anyone to race in a series, but those, those would be the spots I would be looking for would be and kind of have it again in that late summer or in that kind of late season after NASCAR wraps up. Yeah. And before it gets completely frozen over. Cause if you stay in the, if you get your North your Northern races done right after the NASCAR season throughout like the month of November and then potentially head down South during December, you avoid the ice and snow so yeah. you could try and help carry, again, your bored motorsports fans who don't have any other motorsports to really go watch when NASCAR throws their checkered flag on the season. Yeah. I guess we'll just have to – it's going to be one of those uh, wait-and-see type things, uh, wait for more news to come out. But, yeah, because um... yeah, that's the other thing is that I went and uh, – once I saw that topic, I went and looked for other interviews and stuff he'd done, and he'd been talking about the potential of a new design to an IROC car, so whatever the future of IROC past that one event holds, it might not always be the old historic cars, too. There may be a new car design that he's been working on. Yeah. That's the question I have, is what car designs are they going to use? Yeah, that 2024 event, it specifies we'll be using historic IROC cars, but going forward past then, they could roll out a brand new car. Events in 2025 and beyond. Well, all right, gentlemen, that will bring us to the end of the episode. Um, Another great episode this week. Uh, Ryan, we appreciate you so much for being on tonight. Yep, uh, I was happy to be here. Yep, uh, Ben, do you have uh, any closing remarks? Um, yes, I would like to uh, give a shout out to the uh, Social Sports Sports Pad Podcast for our football programs on every Saturday, the Hard Count, and on Tuesdays, the Twitch Cast. And I believe Ryan has um, a channel he would like to talk about as well. Yeah, so um, I cover my own. I have my own channel where I cover. Um, primarily NASCAR stuff, but in the NASCAR offseason, I've been tipping my toe into a little bit of NFL coverage as well. So uh, this coming wildcard weekend, I'll be streaming. I think it's it'll either be two or three NFL games. I'll be doing live commentary of the event. So if you guys are tired of traditional broadcasters, you can come hear this idiot talk for <laughs> over the game. And uh, what, what's, the, what's the name of your uh, YouTube uh, it's just uh, youtube.com forward slash Ryan Dyer. Ryan Dyer. All right. Yep. You heard it here, folks. Uh, JP, you got any closing thoughts? Yeah. I, and I want to do a quick plug for myself, Full Foggle. Um, working on getting some big time interviews on Full Foggle this, this year. Starting with. Um, Starting with former Crux subscriber David Scar. Um, you're coming up in a few weeks. So, looking forward to that. So, all right. Sounds, sounds, yeah, sounds real exciting, dude. All right. Well, gentlemen, great episode. And we will see you guys next week. All right. All right.
One, two, three. Deuces. Deuces. Deuces.